1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Well, last week, Houston did not have a single snap inside the 25. Here's Kansas City from the 19, throwing at the goal line, and it's caught by Kelsey for the touchdown. With Kyle Hamilton all over him, the matchup you wanted to watch, Kelsey wins it, and the Chiefs drive for an opening touchdown. The drive that began at the one-yard line has now reached the Chiefs 25, second and 10. To the end zone again, and it is intercepted. Intercepted by Deion Bush, who just came in two plays ago for Mike Edwards. They needed to get stops throughout the course of this second half. They've been able to find them. Edwards drives, and Anthony Edwards down the lane and elevates for that huge dunk. Shea, step back three. On the way, knocks it down. Boy, high-intensity game again between these two. Gordon on the catch and shoot from the corner. Rattles it in. Quick penetration by Booker. Quick pass to the corner. Quick shot. 23 off the bench for EG tonight in his 32 minutes. Second and goal. Caffrey's going to get it, and he walks in. Touchdown, San Francisco. Here is Kibbs. Up the middle, and he runs into a wall, and the ball came out. Ball is loose. Who's got it? 49ers recover. Eric Armstead came up with it on the Gibbs fumble. Changes their team. Connect off the screen. Talk about confidence which allowed the pass to get there, and he was able to finish. Pollock, he needed to see one go down. Well, he's almost been more tentative when he's been that wide open, so that's good news for Shaka Smart. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp on KDUS. AM 1060. Welcome to the Tuesday, January 30th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7, MVP awards. Should the voting be after the postseason? The NBA, will Minnesota or Oklahoma City reach the finals? The Suns, is the bench good enough? Or is it good? What about the bench? Meanwhile, the NFL, it's last call for any postseason observations to this point. Also, college hoops. Anything is encouraged discussion there from now until the end of the Final Four, which is in, uh, in Glendale this year, by the way, in April. And also, what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction of today's pipeline. 10-15 around the NBA for the first time in 2024. Dan Favale is scheduled to join us from Bleacher Report. We'll have a, uh, get caught up on the, on the season with, with, uh, with Dan. 
Meanwhile, 1030 or so, interactive action, 602-260-1060, also today's bottom line. And some local roundup stuff, including the Suns last night winning at Miami against the lowly heat. And in the final segment of the Sports Zone, it's a national roundup, including the latest line for the Super Bowl. Plus, we'll have some rip from the headlines and from the wire. Right now, onto the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is, should MVP voting and uh, should MVP voting in team sports, he tried to say, be after the postseason? Once again, in a full sentence, should MVP voting in team sports be after the postseason? And Corey's here and has the early returns. Leading right now is no, 71% there. Yes, at 29%, KDUS1060.com. Lamar Jackson, the latest inspiration of this question after his excellent regular season and poor performance in Sunday's AFC Championship game. Today's Twitter poll question, will Minnesota or Oklahoma City represent the Western Conference in the NBA Finals? And Corey once again has early returns. Rather similar here. No, 76.9%. Yes, at 23.1%. KDUSAM 1060 on X. The Wolves and Thunder, the top two teams in the West entering the week, played last night with Minnesota prevailing in a close game. Meanwhile, on the local front, the Suns bench was good. That's like headline news. The reserves last night scored a season-high 48 points. However, that's a misleading number, which I will explain during today's bottom line at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Are you now a believer? Have you ever been a believer? Should we believe in the Suns bench after last night's performance? All right, spanning the globe, the NFL playoffs uh, have been excellent, especially the last two weekends. Uh, the super wild card round was a dud and not super. Uh, today is last call for pretty much any NBA, NFL, I should say, NFL playoff talk from the last three weeks. And uh, we're going to move on to the Super Bowl next week and some detail on this show for sure. Not much on detail in the, uh, in, during the uh, sports zone as far as the Super Bowl this week, however. My brain needs a rest from football. Meanwhile, college basketball is heating up. Tonight's schedule includes some interesting matchups, including South Carolina at Tennessee, Marquette at Villanova. Villanova's lost five games in a row. I believe that Villanova is the most, uh, the worst coach team in college basketball. They should be much better than this. Uh, you're going to hear that, I'm sure, a few times from me in the next few weeks here. Texas Tech at TCU tonight, and also San Diego State at Colorado State. In the very competitive and pretty fun to watch Mountain West Conference, that conference is much better than the Pac-12 is. Uh, this might be the worst Pac-12 basketball conference I've ever seen. And I might have said that in past years. Not even the U of A, I don't think, is particularly good, quite frankly. They're rated highly, uh, but uh, you know they're not as good as they have been either. Any college basketball discussion strongly encouraged for really the rest of the regular season. Also, in, the addition, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, that's the pipeline for today. We've got all these tremendous topics and much more in some shape or form during today's sensational one-hour radio, one radio extravaganza. Anything else on your mind? 
falls into the general discussion categories, whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at uh, x.com slash kdusam1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update that will be followed by Around the NBA, our first Around the NBA segment of 2024. Dan Favale from Bleacher Report will join us. The trade deadline of the NBA is next week. It's during Super Bowl week. Did they realize it was a Super Bowl week? And also, it's the same night as the NFL award show on NFL Network, and I think it's CBS. Uh, they're not going to get as much publicity as they would have had they just either done it this week or waited until the week after the Super Bowl, but whatever. Uh, that's uh, The NBA usually does things right. I think that they might have screwed this up. And that's one thing I'll ask Dan at, uh, at some point in the next segment. Once again, at the bottom of the hour to be phone call time, general discussion, 602-260-1060. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. Gottlieb Show, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. You're home to the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. This segment will be football-free for the rest of this week. I need to give my brain a rest, and we'll get uh, back deep into the Super Bowl, obviously, next week. So let's start with some NBA discussion, our first official NBA segment of 2024. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined in the sports zone by Dan Favale of Bleacher Report. Dan, I think we've done this with you in past years. My, you know, Sorry about that if that's true, but... Uh, you got to help us out for all of us have been almost all football for the last few months here. Uh, kind of a, uh, we need a, kind of like a starting point for the rest of the NBA season. I want to start with the, uh, the Timberwolves and the Thunder. They played last night for first place in the Western Conference. Uh, the Wolves win the game. Uh, what about the Wolves and the Thunder uh, have stood out to you? Why have they been this good so far? I think to start with the Wolves, their defense has just been hellacious this year. Um, and you look at how well their starting lineup, even when Mike Conley's healthy, has been defending. You have two guys coming off the bench in Nasri, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who are both pretty dirty defenders on most nights. And that's just given them a baseline to beat um, some really good teams, to also just put up an incredible record. They do have some questions on offense. I think they need a little bit more shooting and another ball handler because of how reliant they are on Mike Conley. But the defense is for real, and, and OKC, meanwhile, they're one of the best two-way teams in the league, and they're another squad that could maybe use another you know, playoff-worthy ball handler just because of the way teams have been defending Josh Giddy in crunch time. But they, you know, even more so than the Wolves, I know Minnesota took that game, um, they more so than the Wolves when you look at Oklahoma City's depth, the way they've been shooting from three, um, just the players, Jay Gildas, Alexander, Chet Holmgren, and Jay Dub, they might just be as currently constructed one of the – you know, three to five best title contenders right now. 
the Wolves. I remember last year, you know, the pieces supposedly didn't fit with, you know, all the bigs and so forth. How's is that changed? Uh, and how has that changed? And why has that changed? I think a big part of it is that they're healthier this year. And so if you remember, Carlton Towns missed training camp last year, then a huge chunk of the season. And so created sort of this stop and start nature for their season. And I think that Rudy Gobert looks a lot healthier too. He was apparently playing through, I think, some hip stuff last year. And I know players or some people think players use that, use that as an excuse. He is moving unlike anything we've kind of ever seen from him. And so when you have his baseline rim protection with actual athleticism and strong perimeter efforts in front of him, when you look at Jaden McDaniels, when you look at Anthony Edwards, um, even some of the defense that Colin Anthony Towns has played this year, it makes his life easier and allows you to do a bunch of, of different things. And that coupled with a full season of Mike Conley, who's just a great passer, knows how to get guys the ball where they want it, some more development from Anthony Edwards. I think just availability has probably been, the, and better health has been, the biggest difference for them. And I think that's kind of reinforced when you look at what their biggest flaw is. As I mentioned, you see the offense kind of torpedo a little bit. They still need that other connective tissue because when you look at some of their best guys, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, even Jaden McDaniels, like, yeah, Edwards is a really good passer now, but he can still make some uh, boneheaded type decisions or the ball will stick or they won't throw these simple passes. And that's why they've struggled with turnovers so much this year. I've watched uh, almost all the Suns games. They can't defend most nights, that, uh, except for last night. They don't have much of a bench. How do you view the Suns? I still think if they're going to have Beal, Durant, and Booker on the court, they can beat just about anybody. I do think that, at least when you look at their top six guys, factoring in Yusuf Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Eric Gordon, you kind of understand what you're going to get from them. Um, the thing that concerns me the most has been – their play in fourth quarters. And I know injuries have been noisy with yeah. that, uh, but they're not even shooting well on, forget the offensive process. Their, their shot selection, or excuse me, their shot efficiency on wide open jumpers in the fourth quarter, only the Lakers are shooting worse in those situations. And that's actually been true even since they started their kind of 13 and five tear at the end of December. And so it does feel like they're pressing a little bit in the fourth quarter. It doesn't feel like they're reacting well to the extra pressure defenses are sending at them and then they're just sort of missing these in addition to the turnover problems they're kind of missing these shots that they should just actually hit and so there's a chance that normalizes as the season goes on but i do think you look at this rotation and say it would be great if they could get one more person at least um, that they can trust when it matters most in the fourth quarter in the playoffs etc Okay, so that kind of goes right into what I was going to ask you about next they're obviously paying Booker Durant and Beal big NBA money are they stuck when it comes to making any moves before the trade deadline? They're not stuck. It's just difficult. Um, they do have some players that they could send out, but Grayson Allen, one has become so important that you don't necessarily want to use his salary just to match a whatever deal. And so the challenge for them is can they find kind of a, a cheap athletic big or another wing or even just another ball handler type who's an upgrade over what they have behind Booker Beal and Durant right now who's – they can get for seconds and maybe not little salary and another salary to where they can take back, you know, just a few extra million dollars. And I would argue that now is the time for them to be that aggressive or creative because they won't be allowed to aggregate salaries and trades over the off season and leading into next year, which makes a deal even harder than it is right now. And so there are a bunch of names that can float around there, whether it's a Javon Carter, a, a Najee Marshall, could they get an Xavier Tillman or somebody from 
Memphis. Um, there are guys that might fall into a salary range they could get. I just wonder whether they have, when you look at the actual players they'd be sending out, enough little or some of the seconds they can give, whether that's enough for them to get somebody who cracks the top seven or eight of their rotation. All right, Dan, back, you know, back to the kind of the Western Conference in general here. You know, which teams do you think right now? Uh, well, let's go back to Oklahoma City and, and Minnesota. You know, I mentioned before last night there were one and two in the West. Do we believe in them in the postseason? Uh, I do, for the most part. I think they both kind of have their overarching clauses I mentioned before. I think OKC is probably closer to a team I would trust than than Minnesota, and that's just the team. I'm curious how the two big setup holds up against certain. Um, matchups, offenses that might attack them in that vein. And then, as we mentioned before, they're just their turnover issues and passing issues on the offensive end. All right, the Lakers and the Warriors, they're ninth and 11th in the West. Is there any hope for them once the, the playoffs start or if, if the Warriors, even if they make the playoffs? Yeah, the Warriors, I just feel like their season's kind of done. And I know people have been trying to figure out trades that make sense for them. There's just no player I can identify that they could feasibly get where you think that it would really – remedy what's wrong with them this season the lakers are a little bit different because i think they've shown flashes of kind of this higher peak and you also just have age 39 lebron james and anthony davis who may be the second best player defensive player in basketball right now i think you have to operate with a a little bit more urgency and i think you could envision if they were able to swing a trade for a Dejounte murray um that could make a really big impact on their offense which has probably been their biggest struggle is that there are just times where it gets too sloggy in the half court. They don't have enough shooting. Murray's not known as a shooter, but he's been having a career year from beyond the arc, and I think even mid-range this year. So I think they're the team that is more interesting to me as we get to the deadline and moving forward because it feels like they're, one, more likely to do something, but, two, I think that they might be just a little bit better equipped to actually make something of their season than Golden State is right now. The Celtics have the league's best record. You know, they did some roster shuffling in the offseason. Why have they been so dominant to this point this season? They're really just able to, you know, their defense is great. And, you know, Derek White has been fantastic this year. Christoph Porzingis' rim protection when he's been healthy has been good. But they're just able on offense to stretch defenses to this breaking point when they're essentially just playing five out all the time. And the defensive decisions it forces opponents into, you can kind of see it. Um, you know, regressing their setups into just anarchy and, and confusion. And so you have all these shot makers on the Celtics. They can still be a little bit too jumper reliant, and there is variance to the way they play. But because they have all this spacing, even when you lament maybe the lack of drives or some of the lack of playmaking, they just have so much space to make things happen that I think it's really just pushed so many other teams to the brink. And that's why they probably, I think, in a lot of people's books, look like the title favorite right now. The Bucks, uh second-best record in the league, but they fired Ian Griffin last week, replacing with Doc Rivers. How can Doc make the Bucks better, and how good can the Bucks be? I still think, as constructed, the Bucks do have a title feeling. I don't know what Doc Rivers can necessarily do that's going to improve their, their defense by an appreciable amount without some personnel changes. Uh, maybe they can improve their, their play in transition. That defense has been awful with guys not getting back including after they you know they miss shots and so if you're able just to get them running up the floor and get your defense set a little bit more or make sure your defense is set even after making a shot that could help a little bit but when you're dealing with a lot of you know Damian Lillard Malik Beasley even Chris Middleton who's a couple steps slower this year having to defend a bunch at the the point of attack 
Um, you are going to run into some issues with ball containment as well in the half court. And so I think that's a team that really could use a defensive specialist at the, the one yeah. or the two specifically as they get into the trade deadline. Weren't they like surprised with their defense drop big time when they traded, you know, Holiday for Lillard? I mean, my God, even I could figure that out. Yeah, I don't. There was definitely supposed to be a drop off, but the transition stuff is interesting because that's a lot. The struggles there, people just correlate to effort, and I don't think it's necessarily all that for the Bucks. But to see how bad they've been in transition and in certain moments, I do think the drop off was darker than I think they even could have anticipated. And, um, you know, maybe it should have been a dust thing because you look at Middleton, just him getting older, he's had some knee issues. You kind of should have banked on there being a, a lot of issues there. So, uh, yeah, it's the, the transition defense is a big one for them, and I think I'm even been surprised at how bad they've been there this season. All right, MVP candidates need to play at least 65 games uh, now. Uh, Joe Embiid likely is not going to reach the 65 is the 65 you know, game limit uh, for MVP qualification, is that a good idea or a bad idea? Yeah, I go back and forth on it. I appreciate the spirit of it because you want to see the best players actually play. But then you get into situations where you're wondering if they're trying to come back too early from injury. We kind of saw this with Tyree Talburton in Indiana when he played during Pascal Siakam's debut. It makes you wonder, you know, B&B, as he's been chasing a 30-point streak and – him trying to play in a certain number of games and he's tweaked his knee would he have missed more extensive time is this threshold for all nba for the mvp wasn't there and so that feels dangerous if we want players to actually be the healthiest and and at their best possible for the postseason at the same time i think you could make a case where even if joel Embiid was eligible he plays in 64 games um i think right now if you're going to have someone like Shea gilgis alexander who plays in let's say 73 or something 73 games of this version of Shea Gilgis-Alexander is more valuable than 64 games of Joel Embiid. So I kind of understand it from that perspective. But I do think once the new TV deal is going to be negotiated, um, I think that this is something the league ultimately revisits just based on some of the early returns from this season. You mentioned the Pacers. Yeah, we've seen them play against the Suns twice in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and I'm watching these games, and I'm thinking, my God, I remember Rick Carlisle was, you know, who I think is a really good coach, or at least he was in Dallas. It was more of a methodical approach, and now it's like, if you see the rim, give it a shot. <laughs> so I'm kind of stunned at his change of approach. Yeah, I mean, I do think a lot of it has to do with personnel, where if you're going to play with Tyree Halbert and the way that he's able to get up and down the floor, even after the inbound, that you just want to give him – that agency and even looking at some of the other players on that roster that can run the floor in a in a buddy heel then in Andrew Nemhart having a four spacing five in in Miles Turner now Pascal Siakam who kind of fits uh, fits their their ethos to a T but it is when you watch so many of the teams that Rick Carlisle coached in Dallas specifically and even you know his first you know go around with the Pacers and when he was in Detroit um, there is like a huge just gap between stylistically how he used to coach and what he's doing now um, I do think credit to him though that does speak to his ability to adjust i think some yes. of the people that have criticized doc rivers the most is his lack of functional adjustment that the years have gone on over the past two and a half decades and so i think you have to respect rick carlisle kind of catering to his personnel i totally agree with that there's not enough coaches in all sports that do that uh the knicks uh currently fourth in the east they've won seven in a row should i believe in the knicks 
Uh, they're an interesting team, but not having Mitchell Robinson now the Julius Randle shoulder injury, I do think that throws a little bit of a wrench into their stock in the East, and it does feel like even at full strength, they kind of feel one creator type short of rumbling uh, legitimately with Philadelphia, with Milwaukee, with um, with Boston. And so they're kind of just that next tier below, which is a great position for them to be in, but they're still sort of biding their time for that for that bigger move. Ending up with Jalen Brunson was great two summers ago. The OG Ananobi trade has worked out for both the Raptors and the Knicks, arguably, but they're still sort of biding their time for that bigger blockbuster to maybe acquire someone who actually ends up being their best player, which is, it's a weird thing to say about a team that's still so good that has potentially two All-NBA players, although Julius Randle probably won't play in 65 games now, um, but that is really what they're missing at the moment. And so maybe they change our minds once they get to the postseason, but I think they're still lacking that type of player. The NBA trade deadline, February 8th, uh, earlier than usual to my recollection. Uh, also, did the NBA realize that Super Bowl week, and it's also the same day as the much-hyped NFL Awards Day, they, could they done it a different date than that or a different week? Uh, so normally it is around the 8th, the 9th, or the 10th is just the day. That is normally. So I think okay. that's just purely a coincidence that it ended up the Super Bowl feels like the one that might be a little bit later um, than normal this year. Yeah. So I guess they could it have is. It, it's it, a week but... later. It Yeah, it is a week later. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that, that accounts for it. And also just them having the All-Star game already scheduled, I doubt moving the deadline was um, something that they ever really looked at. Okay, so speaking of the trade deadline, uh, you know, a lot of players out there already rumored to be dealt, and that's been going on for you know, for weeks, probably since before the season even started in some cases. But who do you think are some of the most likely difference makers that could be traded before the deadline? You know, we already mentioned DeJounte Murray. I think he's a name to keep an eye on. He's viewed as widely available with Siakam and OG and Harden off the board. I think he might be the best player that um, feels realistically available right now. Zach Levine's name has been bandied about, but he's injured again, and his market is uh, kind of tepid at the moment. So I'm interested to see if, one, the Bulls can find a taker that gives them value for him, and two, if they're actually willing to kind of even engage in a soft reset where does DeMar DeRozan become available? What about Al Caruso? And then I am just curious because there are so many names that we talked about already off the board, including a Terry Rozier going to Miami. Do we see any sort of surprise names that have been theorized, but they're not considered available, actually get moved because teams come in over the top at the last minute for a lack of other options? And I think just the two names to loosely monitor would be Larry Markinen in Utah and Mikael Bridges in, in Brooklyn. By all indications, those teams are not looking to move those guys, but could someone come in with a godfather offer that forces them to reconsider when you look at their places and their respective conferences? It, it wouldn't shock me if we saw something like that happen. Okay, so if some of the guys that are rumored, or maybe one guy or two guys, you know, do a little connect the dots here for me, you know, whether you know, this might happen or not, who do you think would be a, you know, one of those players uh, that you mentioned, or somebody that maybe uh, you didn't have time to get to there. Who and what would be a good match, do you think, that would make a difference once we got you know past the, the trade deadline for the rest of the regular season and the postseason? I think when you're looking at DeJounte Murray, his fit with the Lakers is good. The Knicks have been interested, and I'm wondering with Randall injured if they're a little bit more aggressive at the deadline. He's also a team like the Orlando Magic could really use someone like him, so are they a team that gets a little friskier at the deadline? 
when you're looking at a team that might have the the picks to, to pry a Larry Market in out of Utah, uh, it really comes down to do we think that Oklahoma City is going to try and be aggressive at the deadline because they have an offer that would be able to get Larry Market in. They have a need for someone like him on the front line who does a bunch of different things on offense, can maybe help their rebounding a little bit. It's not exact sort of the team a lot of people are monitoring when it comes to Larry Marketing. And when you're looking at Zach Levine, uh, right now I'd probably pick the Pistons as just a favorite to get him because they seem to be itching to make a move, and they're really the only team that's been steadily linked to him over the past couple weeks. Dan, this is great. I appreciate it. Thanks much. And uh, I'm sure we'll uh, be bothering you frequently for the next few months. Thanks. Most definitely. It was great talking to you. Take care. All right, Dan Favale from Bleacher Report. Read all this stuff, which is a lot uh, at uh, Bleacher Report. So excellent uh, stuff from Dan. And uh, we'll get more into the NBA as we get closer, at least on this show, as we get closer to the uh, to the playoffs, certainly. But uh, you know, occasionally in the next uh, few weeks, uh, especially after we get through college basketball for the most part, which is going to dominate this segment after Super Bowl week next week, uh, and maybe some baseball. Uh, in this segment too, but uh, that's kind of the plan, and that's been the plan for a long time. And as far as I know, it's going to stay the plan. All right, next segment: phone call time, six zero two two sixty ten sixty. Also, we'll get to some bottom line answers from today's pipeline and time pending. Uh, we'll get to some local roundup stuff, topped by last night's Suns and Heat game uh, in Miami, which the Suns won. Third game on the road in four nights. The first two games. Last Friday night at Indiana and also Saturday, excuse me, Sunday night at uh, at Orlando were disasters. Last night uh, they were comfortably ahead for almost the entire game against the Heat, and the Heat have got some issues. Uh, but they're one team that I don't think the regular season, they really care about the regular season too much. Just get us in the playoffs. We have the best coach in basketball, and we will give it a shot. You're listening to Sports with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7 in addition to the local roundup. It is phone call time, and we got time if you want to jump aboard, 602-260-1060. First up, bottom line answers from today's pipeline questions. We start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is, should MVP voting in team sports be actually occur, should the voting itself occur after the postseason? The bottom line, for years I've been saying that these MVP awards and all team sports should be voted on after the postseason. Lamar Jackson is not the first regular season MVP to fall you know, way short and woefully short and be terrible in the playoffs like he was last Sunday. In fact, Lamar Jackson has now done that twice. He might be the best poster person for that they should not have MVP voting in any team sport until after the actual playoffs end and the season is over. Who gives a damn about the regular season? At least in the NFL – well, this is actually getting worse too now because you got 14 of the 32 teams actually make the playoffs. But um, at least the regular season has some meeting, uh, but no, not as much as it used to. Today's uh, X poll question 
Uh, will Minnesota and Oklahoma City represent the Western Conference or, you know, one or the other, uh, represent the Western Conference in the NBA Finals? The bottom line is the Wolves and Thunder are good stories, but I think their inexperience likely will uh, prevent them from reaching the Finals. Right now, the Clippers and Nuggets win healthy are the two teams that I trust the most in the West once the playoffs begin. On the local front, do you believe in the Suns bench after last night's uh, you know last night's victory for the Suns? They were uh, they scored 48 bench points last night. The Suns did. That's the most they've had in any game this season, but it was misleading. Eric Gordon had 23 points. He had to play 33 minutes because he you know basically had to play nearly the entire second half after Grayson Allen was injured last night. Drew Eubanks had 11 points all in the first quarter after Yusuf Nurkic had two fouls almost immediately in that game. And Josh Kogi had 11 points on a rare good shooting night for him. In fact, he only missed one shot, which for him is great. I mean, he's a good defender, but you don't want him shooting the basketball most nights. But last night... He made, I believe, it was four out of five from the field. The bottom line, though, the Suns entered last night 29th in bench scoring in a 32-team league. I think we would more likely take what happened before last night as opposed to what actually happened last night. Also, today is last call if you want to get in. Right now it's last call, 602-260-1060. For anything that has to do with the NFL playoffs to this point, and also uh, any college basketball for the rest of the season basically is a you know, strongly encouraged discussion through the Final Four in Glendale the second week of April. All right, uh, 602-260-1060. This is now officially last call. Uh, on to today's local roundup in the Suns. Never in danger last night of losing at Miami. Any drama ended when the Suns went on a 13-0 run that bridged the uh, end of the first quarter and started the second quarter in the uh, 118, the eventual 118-105 victory. The Suns uh, were surprisingly to me three-point underdogs against a Heat team that had lost its last six games. Obviously, it's now seven games in a row that the Heat have lost. Most significantly, the Suns valued the basketball last night. Just seven turnovers. Turnover has been one of their biggest season-long issues. Uh, you heard Dan mention these turnovers. I didn't even bring it up to him in the last segment. That's been a, a, a significant problem. Last night, they didn't even they did not have a turnover for the first 18 minutes of the game, which is amazing and maybe doesn't say much for the Heat on defense. Personnel news, I mentioned Grayson Allen. Uh, he had to leave the game, right ankle sprain. Not available for the second half. He's been a, a really good player for the Suns this year, better than I would have ever imagined. Just thought he was kind of guy that could throw in a few shots here and there, but he's done more than here and there as far as a few shots. Unfortunately, uh, on a team of a lot of guys that just aren't good defensively, he's not good defensively. Uh, Nurkic, uh, with the left thumb injury, he did return on Monday. Remember, he sat out the Sunday loss against Orlando. Bradley Beal with the broken nose played with a different mask uh, that he wore on Sunday, and he seemed to be more comfortable out there with the new mask. Meanwhile, two other quick notes here. There is no doubt to me that Suns' opponents are now extending their defense to basically uh, full-court schemes. I mean, they're not like a full-court press, and it's not like you know, Nolan Richardson and you know, you know 40 minutes of hell or whatever. 
Uh, but the Suns, uh, more than occasionally, are not running their half-court offense until you know a few seconds into the shot clock, which is the purpose of the defense from the opponents. And this is uh, the, the the biggest surprise to me about this is that opponents took so long to do this. Now it seems to happen almost every night. I'm not sure who was the first team to do this, but it seems like it has certainly caught on, uh, and I would expect that to continue because the Suns don't have a point guard. I think that is one of the problems that the Suns uh, have trying to get into a half-court offense quickly. Also last night, the Suns uh, had no clue against the the Heat zone defense. A big reason. uh, That was a big reason why the Suns had a 28-point lead that was cut to 10 in the fourth quarter of that game last night. Uh, they just had no clue what they, once again, no point guard. I think it matters at this point. If you got somebody to put people in the right positions, plus you, unfortunately, yeah, Booker's bringing the ball up in almost all those cases, and uh, the Heat wisely just double-teamed him and often got the ball out of his hands. Uh, occasionally that turned out to be an assist for Booker in a basket, but once again, uh, the Suns not having a point guard. I'm not saying they need a point guard for 48 minutes, per game or you know x number of minutes per game but it, when they have those kind of issues it would be nice if they had somebody that could set up an offense uh, i'm not even sure here we are 40 plus games into the season i'm not exactly sure what their offense is which and i think i have a pretty good idea of structure as far as basketball goes but i got i'm not really sure what they're doing as far as structure goes or lack thereof up next the suns play on wednesday night at brooklyn in Kevin Durant's return, so that should be interesting. Also, obviously, against Mikhail Bridges and Cam, and Cam Johnson. Also, in today's local roundup, one other quick note here. ASU lost one of their best football players to Colorado. Remember, they're in the same conference next year. It's just not the Pac-12. It's going to be the Big 12, which I think is like the Big 18 starting next year or whatever. Uh, edge rusher B.J. Green. He made some plays this past year. He was very good for ASU. Uh, He uh, flipped his transfer portal commitment. Originally, he was going to leave ASU and go to Washington. And I don't know if he had a problem with Jed Fish or not, who now is the head coach at Washington. Uh, But now, you know, Green is reportedly, according to CBS Sports at least, flipped his commitment from Washington to Colorado. So, hello, Dion. Uh, And uh, we'll see how that works out for Green and also Dion. All right, next segment of news update after the Corey. Corey will have a news update first. That'll be coming up next. And then after Corey's spectacular news update, we'll have a conclusion of today's show with the latest line, the National Roundup, of course. And we'll start with the latest line for the Super Bowl. Uh, No change since yesterday, but there certainly was some change between the opening line on Sunday to Monday. Uh, So we'll give you the update on that if you missed it yesterday. Also, time pending, some rip from the headlines from the wire, a little college basketball, a little NBA scoreboard, whatever I can jam into the final segment of today's spectacular one-hour radio program. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castellux HD2 100.7. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. It is thank you time. 
As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today uh, around the NBA with Dan Favale from Bleacher Report. It'll be the first of many Dan Favale appearances on this show uh, from now to the end of the playoffs and probably uh, even into the draft part. But, uh just a guess on my part. Next three days, we're going to have plenty of college basketball, including tomorrow at 10.15. We'll go around the Pac-12 with Roxy Bernstein from the Pac-12 Networks and also ESPN. Sound of the day courtesy of CBS, Bally Sports North, uh, 3TV, Fox, and, uh, and ESPN. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. All right, latest line for Super Bowl 58. I told you all yesterday I'd figure out which Super Bowl it was and what number it was at some point. Well, I just kind of stumbled into it by accident yesterday. I didn't go research it. But Super Bowl 58, the opening line was the Chiefs on Sunday night, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, excuse me, the Niners, a two-and-a-half-point two favorite. 40 and slip there, maybe. <laughs> and a total of 48. That line moved to one-and-a-half and 47-and-a-half. Once again, Niners, one-and-a-half-point favorites, total 47-and-a-half. Yesterday, uh, by yesterday's show at this time. And now it's pretty much it's the, the same as it was yesterday. So bottom line here is the current number, as of a few moments ago at least, uh, the consensus number, I'm going to go with the combination of Las Vegas and kind of the uh, national you know, outlets that are you know, the big, you know, like FanDuel and obviously uh, you know, DraftKings, etc. Uh, the consensus not lying around the country right now is Liners 1.5, total 47.5. Injury news, uh, Chiefs defensive lineman and difference maker, Charles Omenahu, so, unfortunately, did suffer a torn ACL during the AFC Championship game. Obviously, he will not be playing in the Super Bowl. Meanwhile, from the scoreboard, the Timberwolves, uh, we talked about this a little with Dan Favale, Bleach, uh, Bleacher Report earlier in the hour, did beat Oklahoma City last night. That was a showdown for first place in the Western Conference at this point, 107-101. Carl Anthony Towns, 21 points, 10 rebounds. Rudy Gobert added 12 points and 17 rebounds. Uh, the uh, Timberwolves had actually lost three out of five before last night. Shea Gilgis-Alexander uh, Gilgis had 37 points uh, for the Thunder in that game as the Thunder lost their second straight after they had won five consecutive games. Meanwhile, also the Nuggets uh, ruined Doc Rivers. Uh, Bucks in uh, debut last night. Uh, Nick Jokic, remember that's what I call him, Nick Jokic from back in the day. Uh, you know, really kind of bad. that was back the first time I used that. Uh, I heard somebody during the bubble call him Nick Jokic, so I said, "Well, this is a lot easier." Uh, so I'm going Nick Jokic. Um, uh, he spoiled uh, Doc Rivers' debut shockingly. He had a tri- his 12th triple double of the season. Actually, that's wrong. His 14th triple double of the season. Don't want to shortchange Nick. I uh, uh, won uh, one thirteen to one to seven victory last night for the Nuggets. Jokic had 25 points. Uh, 16 rebounds and 12 assists in the game, and also Jamar, Jamal Murray had 35. And uh, you know they uh, pretty much you know, it seemed like that they were comfortable, a comfortable lead most of the time, even though there were some lead changes in that game last night. Giannis had 29 points and 12 rebounds for the Bucks. College basketball: the University of Houston won at Austin last night. Uh, you know, you know, Dwan Roberts uh, made a, a big layup with uh, 37 seconds to go. This game went into overtime. 
Emmanuel Sharp made a bunch of free throws in the last couple of minutes of that game, and Houston won 76-72 over Texas. Quickly, uh, from my uh, head rip from the headlines, a little from the wire action here. Uh, we start with some NFL here. Jared Goff said on Monday that he would like to have a long-term deal. Like the, he, he would be have no problem signing a long-term deal with the Lions. I don't think the Lions have much choice but to do that after the last couple of years. The Patriots wisely will not pick up the fifth-year option on the contract of Mac Jones, whom they or any other team should have uh, never drafted in the first round a couple of years ago or three years ago now, which I said before the draft. Uh, Steelers owner Dan Rooney, who rarely speaks publicly, said he's, quote, had enough, end of quote, of losing playoff games, but Mike Tomlin will return in 2024. Uh, the Rams and uh, the Rams have interviewed former Panthers and Commanders head coach Ron Rivera uh, for the Rams defensive coordinator opening. Meanwhile, the Dolphins interviewed Leslie Frazier to be their next defensive coordinator. That would be a big change if they hired Leslie Frazier from Vic Fangio as far as just a scheme and the kind of just uh, the way that they present themselves, quite frankly. Uh, so there's that. And one other quick note from, Do- from baseball, the Dodgers are looking for an elite shutdown closer, in their opinion at least, uh, that you know, they, they, they might bring back Kenley Jansen. Jansen supposedly is available. The Red Sox uh, may trade him before opening day. All right, that's it for the Sports Zone for today. That's it for the local programming for this morning. The next three three days is three hours of local programming. The Sports Zone from 10 to 11. And uh, from 11 to 1, it's the uh, Extra Point hosted by Kayla. This has been the uh, Tuesday edition of the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thank you very much for listening and have a great rest of your day.